Welcome to an ultra special edition of Horrifying My Friends. I am Horror Host Trav. Joining me as always is the theme queen herself. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so this, like I said, ultra special edition because this is going to drop not on our regular day because today we are reviewing The Night House, Katie. My way of going about these like new movies lately. Now I haven't done this with Candyman or Halloween because I'm like such a mark for those franchises that like I cannot not watch the trailer. But stuff like this, I just don't watch the trailer. I went into this completely blind, had no idea what it was supposed to be about. I went in expecting, you know, something along the lines of like you know, insert haunted house story here, like Insidious, you know, you know, not that Insidious isn't good, but like, not that Insidious isn't good, but like, you know, just something that is just by the book and stuff. I had heard nothing about it. So yeah, just the intro of the movie a little bit. And then we're going to get, how we're going to break this down is we're going to give like kind of our brief kind of feelings on the movie. And uh, maybe you, we can even get into like performances and stuff like that that we noticed in the movie. And then the spoiler section, we're gonna we're gonna make it clear that we're gonna because if you don't see this movie and you hear the spoilers, you're gonna be pissed because like it's a movie where the spoilers make the movie you know mm-hmm. like a lot more rich and it's a way <laughs> like that's how movies are supposed to be. But anyway, so we're gonna have like a non-spoiler section and then we're gonna have a very clear and very like announced spoiler section when we start talking about the themes and stuff like that in this thing. So this is the night house. Um, it actually came out in 2020. I think this was like a festival movie and stuff, you know, COVID fucked everything up. Um, directed by David Bruckner. So this guy also directed ritual, which was a fantastic Netflix film, uh, southbound and a, and a segment of VHS VHS was like, Huge. Uh, Mike Bertram always wants me to have him on for VHS, which will probably <laughs> happen in the future. Uh, written by Ben Collins and Luke Petrowski. Uh, ben Collins actually liked my post on Twitter, so I may come a call in for Ben Collins. Yeah, shout you know, out. To have him on the show. Um, especially with their next project that they're tackling as a team, the director and two writers, which is Clyde Barker's Hellraiser, Ooh. which I think is interesting with a lot of stuff in this film also yeah the original which we have covered on the pod so go listen to that episode if you like hellraiser oh yeah a big fans of hellraiser on this podcast um so these guys were actually on um a great pod called uh colors of the dark with rebecca mckendry and elric kane so go listen to that if you haven't already and they talk about how the story of this i guess this is like a little trivia section uh they talk about how the story of the night house like came to be and it's bits and pieces of the story were kind of pieced together from their previous pitches on Hellraiser like back in the day Uh, some pitches for the Amityville franchise which I know Bub's a big fan of 
um, and some thrillers that they had written. But I actually thought that was kind of cool how they took elements from like each pitch and stuff. So, synopsis. Suddenly grieving the unexpected death of her husband, Owen, Beth is left alone in the lakeside house he designed and built for her. She begins experiencing confusing and disturbing waking nightmares just to come to in the morning to no physical evidence of her dark experiences. Against the advice of her best friend, Claire, she begins digging into his belongings, searching for answers. So one, I already love stories like this. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love stories like this. So... Kate, do you want to start and kind of give you like your initial kind of just like, were you prepared for this movie and stuff like that? Like, (laughs) okay, here's how I came to see this film. Travis texted me and said, Rose and I will come watch Phoebe Mm -hmm. go see Nighthouse tonight. And so I was like, okay. And I went out. I didn't do any research on it. I didn't look up anything, not even a synopsis, no trailers, no nothing. So I went in blind Um, only seeing the poster in the movie theater and I thought it looked cool Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was very very pleasantly surprised yeah I was the first thing I wrote was I I was not prepared for the for this to be as good as it was this actually reminded me of an experience like when I went to see Hereditary and it's still not even comparable because Hereditary had some hype and stuff like that about the name Um, and I had heard about this, but I hadn't heard like too many, like, okay, this is the scariest movie ever made. I think I saw that like one time or, and you know, like, um, you know, like all the taglines that always come out for all of these, but it's pretty cool that we both went in this blind. And, um, I think that's interesting because I found recently there's a big debate on like whether trailers give too much away. There was a big debate about the Halloween trailer like that. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it showed him killing fucking like 20 people in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's cool. Like to go in blind, like, like we did because I had like, we had no idea where this story was going. So if you had to like rate or first of all, let's talk about the acting. Like Rebecca Hall is amazing in this. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah, she she plays like some of the and like I said, it's in the trailer. Some of the grief moments, and this gets into like it's not a spoiler that grief and you know loss, like dealing with the loss of a loved one, is a big theme in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I felt like that was all very very real. Like even her like sense of humor and stuff about it. Because, mm-hmm. like, uh, most of the time in movies, it's, like, it depicts sadness and, like, you know, the loss of a loved one. Kind of, like, you know, you're just, like, moping around and you can't get up and stuff like that. And it, it is like that sometimes, but it's also, you know, like, yeah, dark sense of humor about it. It's a lot of other things. Um, yeah, I, Rebecca Hall plays Beth, the main character. And just off the top, like, I think it's worth saying that I loved everything about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, my gut instinct was to give it a five out of five. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was just, like, this was my first, you know, movie made for adults, like, not something like Paw Patrol, you know, that, <laughs> that I've seen in a movie theater since the before the pandemic. Daniel and Tiger. maybe Yeah, and so maybe it's, it was just the, like, being in a theater for the first time in a really, really long time that made me, like, like it even more. Um, but I don't know, the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like pretty solidly thinking this is a five. Like, I think this is going to be a movie that people like look back on and they're like, wow, that's a great movie. Yeah. This is one of those movies that the more you think about it, the, the bit like really the better it gets. 
and it's just one of those movies. Um, if I had to give this something out of five, I would probably give it like a five out of five as well. Like I was really, really impressed by this movie. Um, a lot, lots of scares, but not cheap. They were uh, earned. Like I said, lots of twists and turns that we won't spoil. And the acting is phenomenal. Yeah, it was super suspenseful. Like I loved, when I say everything, I love the sound editing. It was very much like, you know, you'd get this music or you'd get um, sort of score underneath. And then all of a sudden it would go to nothing. And you would literally only hear the ambient sounds like in the room with her or um and then once you get to the end which i'm not gonna spoil so like relax uh but when you get to the end like the sound just like amps up in this way that's just so highly effective um i love the lighting colors the mood that they set with Mm -hmm. the palette of this too the whole mood and the color palette and the lighting was all very appropriate for the content Mm -hmm. the acting was great story was great themes and metaphors you know i eat that shit up oh yeah this one has it oh yeah um like i said the setting like you know that the house out in the middle of like this isolated area you know and she's all alone and you don't know what's going on i loved all that shit but yeah so this would this would give a definite this would be a definite thumbs up from the hmf crew Mm -hmm. uh here so that i think that will end our non-spoiler uh, review of the night house because people should really go see this. Oh, one other thing, go see this in a theater. Like if you can, I know mm-hmm. people are like restricted and stuff like that now, uh, especially with the Delta variant. But like, if you can, like, like Kate said, the sound design and stuff like that, it's meant for like a theater experience. Yeah. This is so suspenseful and the sound is so key to that. Mm-hmm. And when you have it like surrounding you, and like blasting and then going silent like when you if you're at home you're gonna adjust your volume up and down and you're i don't think you're supposed to do that i think it will make it not as good all right and that will end the non-spoiler section maybe we can put like <laughs> a little noise or something in there uh to split this up Beep, boop, boop. <laughs> spoilers ahead <laughs> spoiler ahead okay so let's really get into this thing I think this is one of those movies that I knew that you had to see because, and I can't wait until like other people who think about, like, like to think about these kind of movies like Bub and Jack and stuff like that. There are tons of takes on this movie already. And like, but what did you like think about, like, what did you think was going on like throughout the movie? And Mm -hmm. like, I'll basically go wherever you want to go. All right. Um, so at first, I thought this was just going to be a movie that showed you in a creative way, the different stages of grief, which it does kind of, um, it shows you, you know, anger and it shows you bargaining, like her trying to find a reason for Mm -hmm. why he did what he did. Or uh, if she had only, you know, if she hadn't rubbed off on him, then he would still be here. Like, yeah, that's like kind of bargaining. You see just full on depression uh, you just see kind of all stages of it and you see that it's that grief isn't linear like that. You don't just go from, you know, denial to acceptance like in a linear way. It, it all jumps all around. Um, and then you've got the added mystery of it all of like, 
why did he kill himself? Like, like why <laughs> it, was she so surprised that he would do such a thing? The story kind of takes you to a place where you think, oh, well, he's just a serial killer and that's what this is going to be. Yeah. No, but it wasn't that. It was something <laughs> deeper and some uh, s- something else going on, um, which I loved. I love the, the red herrings and the kind of the twists and turns of it all. It's not just a movie about grief. It's a movie about basically dep- like clinical depression i guess mm-hmm. is the way i took it um and as someone who doesn't have that i think i can still empathize this movie is like just a big metaphor the mm-hmm. way i saw it like i my take on it was that it, like the darkness this entity was actually just her um mm-hmm. i took it more as a psychological thing than it than a literal like demon spirit or whatever it was meant to <laughs> interesting <laughs> so i took it more as like it's her it's her mm-hmm. darkness um and it's rather than supernatural right and Mm -hmm. i can see you can take it that way on its surface it is that it's like her feelings of hopelessness and meaninglessness personified that's what that darkness is to me and it's always there and like the whole idea of her loving friends and family pulling her back from the brink um that's just a thing that happens in real life with people like so do you really think her husband was a serial killer then like was he just like a serial killer no, and she was okay. I don't think he was killing because he was a serial killer, or even that he was being controlled to do that. Mm-hmm. I think he was trying to find a way to save her from her from that darkness. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, on its, do you want me to get into kind of the, oh yeah the story? Oh yeah. Like I said, on its surface, Owen's story is him building a reverse house. So you see, like the occult books that she gets to reading that she sees that he was using as he was designing the home and building the home um and so he's building this reverse house across the way uh to trap the be- the dark spirit that's wanting him to give beth to, like by killing beth to give dark darkness beth mm-hmm. um because he loves her obviously <laughs> uh and i think that works for a while from the way like the dialogue was telling me with her and her darkness um that it was working the the trickery of the reverse house and the the maze confusing uh and then when the spirit started to get wise to that owen decided to buy more time he's like well i can get decoy beths so -hmm. basically a bunch of women who look like her dude that part was like fucked up when she was seeing all these like and that's like you said it's like an unraveling of like like taking layers off an onion and you just start to see like these women in his phone that look like her somewhat like her and stuff. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um, and so he, he finds these decoy women. He makes them trust him and some of them maybe even love him a little bit. And he's takes them to the reverse house to kill them there. So the spirit thinks it's, you know, it's getting a Beth. Uh, and I still haven't put my finger on why, Owen thought killing himself would save her from the darkness. Um, we can talk about that more in a minute, maybe. But yeah, he can't fight it anymore, essentially. And I think he's like starting to really suffer from trying to keep her darkness at bay. Partly, too, he thought maybe if he killed himself, he'd remove the threat because the darkness would forget, would know. Maybe it would stay trapped in the re- reverse house, but that's not what happened. Um, but yeah, what did you think about the metaphor? So it's interesting because I do see some metaphors in this, but I also think that like, it's interesting that you see the, uh, like the, that 
you believe it was all like her darkness and stuff because mm-hmm. that is definitely one way to take it as well. And the writers, make no mistake, the writers made it that way, like, you know, to where it can work multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a line in the movie um, where it's explaining where this darkness came from. Mm-hmm. And uh, like it's, she had like a near-death experience and they explained that basically something like noticed her during that near-death experience and in that moment it's like a big cosmic horror like kind of reveal of like oh this thing for some for some reason latched onto her and that's the thing it's like you never really find out what's going on so it could be taken as a metaphor and stuff yeah because the way i took it is when she she said she died for four minutes after this car accident and everyone was asking her after she you know was brought back to life and was recovering like what happened you know what did you see what happens after you die and she just you know lied because she didn't want to bring anyone else down um and said she didn't remember but she saw that there was nothing like she said there's nothing Mm -hmm. now was that some evil dark spirit thing Mm -hmm. i don't think so i think the darkness that follows her is what is is this depression that she developed after that near-death experience knowing that after this life there's nothing like your morals in this life don't matter nothing you do matters because nothing goes on with you later you don't Mm -hmm. see all your like in her mind you don't see all your loved ones that have died you don't (laughs) Mm -hmm. you don't there's no heaven there's no hell there's no nothing um and that feeling of hopelessness and meaninglessness is like becomes personified in this darkness and that depression follows her everywhere she even talks about in the bar scene with her teacher friends Mm -hmm. so like in this scene she's really upset because like she didn't know her husband was suffering at all like she had no idea she knew she had problems um and she she points out that like he's the one that kept kept me sane and kept me from going off the deep end from my depression and it took him basically saving her from her this darkness it, like took everything from him and she doesn't even know about the everything he was doing oh, with yeah. the reverse house like she's just taking this as like oh maybe like my suffering my constant suffering and depression just rubbed off on him and i made him so miserable that he took his own life he couldn't take it anymore mm-hmm. like because in the in the suicide note the he leaves behind for her he says you were right. It there's nothing, or something like that. Uh, and then he he says nothing is after you, mm-hmm. which she took as nothing's after you. Like your nothing's after your life. Nothing comes after it. One could also take it as nothing is after you. Mm-hmm. Like nothing's after you anymore. The the darkness is trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says you're safe now or whatever. And so she's really confused and. So that's why I'm leaning more towards this metaphor. It it fits really, really well. Okay, so I'm not challenging uh, the, the theme queen here. But, so what would be the explanation for him killing them? Like, how would that help her? If if it's just her darkness. Oh, him killing the women? Like the lookalikes, yeah. So I don't, I don't think the movie is trying to say that that never happened. But mm-hmm. one could argue, because... I think the movie is showing you some supernatural things, but I think it's also 
something else like in the actual message of it that's what i'm getting at with the whole metaphor mm-hmm. thing but like the occult books that's clear Dude, i that think sculpture i want that fucking sculpture <laughs> like i want that so bad it's like a it's i mean it kind of kind of reminds me of pinhead like really because it's like a it's like a human like figure with like a bunch of spikes through it shit. yeah but I was going to say, one could argue that, like, none of this stuff actually happened and this is a psychological thing mm-hmm. with her. Like, she has in- experienced a h- major traumatic event. It's literally days after that has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, she's shocked. You could consider this, like, what your brain might do if you're bargaining and you're drinking heavily at the same time. Oh, yeah. Um, like, you, she could be making up in her head with these dreams, which is why I think they leave it ambiguous. Like, is she dreaming or is, is this happening? And she's just being, like, used and, you know, manipulated by this spirit. Like, we don't know. But you could say that these are just horrible dreams happening and she's struggling to separate dream from reality. And by the way, that's why it's great. Is because they leave that up to like the viewer, mm-hmm. like to make your own conclusions and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like to believe that this movie showing me something supernatural happening, but in the end, her sitting in that boat and the darkness being so he- like so encompassing to where she is just in this kind of red light. And oh, she's and she's on, she's 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 almost she's basically got one foot in the grave. She's almost pulls the trigger she's sitting there as depressed as as she can be and her darkness is coaxing her and saying like just do it it's meaningless Mm -hmm. just come with me end it now and it takes her friend claire coming and and pulling her back from it and you see the darkness doesn't stay super dark there it fades so it's like almost like saying she like the darkness will always be there with her no matter what she does. She's it's something like her depression is something she's always going to have to fight the rest of her life. Um, it'll it'll be stronger or weaker depending on you know the day or whatever's going on in her life. But she's always going to struggle with this, mm-hmm. and that's why you still see that just light shadow of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting that I took it literal and you did not though. Yeah. Because I was like I saw this as kind of like a. Not a take on Midnight Meat Train. Have you ever seen Midnight Meat Train? Where he's working. So Midnight Meat Train, spoilers, it's like a 12-year-old movie for those who are listening. Um, So this killer, this serial killer, is actually working for these creatures. And he has to kill in order to feed them. And it's like, uh, that's kind of how... And I felt like that was like such an original idea. Like on, on my take of the film is like... This dude is doing everything like he can to distract this thing or to give this thing what this thing wants, but he wants his wife. And um, the scenes that where she finds that box with that little figurine in it and she finding all those occult books and then she goes into that backwards house and falls through the floor. Like some of those scenes, literally, I leapt out of the fucking chair. Like... Mm-hmm. Like, there's a scene when she's walking around in the woods and all the women, like, run by her. And I was like, oh, my God. That was yeah, so that fucking scary, dude. <laughs> that got me. I watched this with my husband, and he was so stressed out for this mm-hmm. whole film. Like, he would just look over at me and be like, oh, like, I can't feel like I can't breathe, he said at one point. And then at the end, of when it was all over and the credits rolled, he was like, oh, my God, I feel like I can exhale. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it get, it makes you feel like that. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. effective. And I think both takes on this movie are incredibly valid. There are probably more. There are probably more takes on this movie. Like I said, we've only seen it once, but it's like the idea, and and both of them go together because like that cosmic horror, this thing, the the nothing, is like uh, like you said, personifying depression, and he's telling her he's like he's wanting her to join him you know, where he is, wherever he is or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that idea was very, very cool. Um, yeah. And I wonder like, what's the motivation of this dark, if there's truly nothing or is this spirit just a trickster mm-hmm. who's making her think there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if she can see, like if she believes that this is some kind of occult demon force or spirit or i don't know what to call it (laughs) if she believes it's it's that like owen believed it was that then how can she believe that there's nothing it's fucked up too that like it comes to her in the form of her loved one like Mm -hmm. if it is a being and um this movie also like deals with that previous movies have done so in the past too like pet cemetery and shit it's like that the idea of your loved one coming back isn't always like the greatest like like it's it's kind of terrifying like the scene another scene that absolutely fucked me up in the theaters was when um her radio popped on like real loud Mm -hmm. and then she started getting texts and it said like uh what it say come down here don't be afraid Mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god what the fuck is going on like i was literally looking at rose like what in the fuck is going on yeah. And she looks out on the lake and it's like his like naked behind like standing on the water. It's like, oh, dude. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And if you believe in those, the if you're going more and you prefer this sort of supernatural, this really happened kind of um, angle on the film, then having Owen like the, the evil darkness spirit take the shape and the form of Owen when she's in the boat at the end is like a highly manipulative thing mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, so you could I took take it. it. Yeah, so you could take it like that like it was just it knew she was in a vulnerable place and it knew how to exploit her vulnerabilities in that moment to persuade her to end her life so he could take her spirit mm-hmm. because he feels like he was owed her spirit because she cheated death by being brought back to life back back when, you know. Um so that makes a lot of sense. I could totally see it. I can totally appreciate it in that light. And um, and I sure. I saw like Owen's character as like kind of like its slave kind of thing because it's like Owen probably doesn't like it was almost like doing his bidding and then Owen probably thought that if he like killed himself like you said earlier like it would you know do something to hitch his game or like something like that but it in turn like basically just gave him over to the nothing yeah i think he thought maybe like if he did it out on the boat one she wouldn't find that house because if he did it in the house then they'd search for him and they'd find him in the house oh he did it on the water yeah so he did it on the water probably thinking oh well the spirit has been trapped in that house that's tricking him into thinking that's where she is and if he kills himself on the water it'll stay trapped over there that's probably what he thought um yeah think about that that creature is is acting like her ex who killed himself sitting and telling her to do the same thing 
like at the end if you, yeah if you take it kind of the way i did where th- the darkness she's speaking to is actually her own mind speaking to her like her own dark thoughts and suicidal thoughts speaking to her and persuading her um again if it's just those thoughts personified like i can imagine people who have been in that dark of a place where they're considering it especially after the loss of the person that you love and had spent some time so much time with she was married with him what 14 Mm -hmm. years i think that they said and i know people personally in my life who have lost their husbands and have wanted to kill themselves uh and just end the suffering and the pain of it all Mm -hmm. um and your mind is very powerful and can be very persuasive in those weak moments it can also be strong but usually with the help of your family which is why i think they brought claire in at, at the end she doesn't just you know beth doesn't just save herself in that moment i she thought has i was people. such a fucking genius like throughout the whole movie i kept looking over to rose and i was like claire's in on this nah. like several times <laughs> i was just like this bitch is like dude she's up to something and rose is like shut up she's not doing anything she's being supportive friend <laughs> yeah i will to me beth's friend claire didn't give the best advice i don't think but you did see her catch herself a couple times like oh shit i shouldn't have said that that way like Mm -hmm. that was insensitive or whatever but to tell a grieving person you know just throw all of his shit away and don't ever think about it again just remember him as as the good owen or whatever it's just not a not a thing that makes sense just let a person go through their process Mm -hmm. and i feel like claire should have known that when she was saying you know no i don't need you to stay here tonight go home she should have known she should stay with her oh yeah this woman was been spiraling. You've seen her drinking heavily, like literal bot- bottle of brandy every night kind of drinking. And you've seen her actually break down in front of you multiple times. You've seen her stalk out women in bookstores and she's told you about it. And like you see it. And I think it's a cautionary tale, I think, to friends of people mm-hmm. who know someone who's going through something very difficult and traumatic like this. Like you... You have to trust your gut and stay. Even if they say they don't need your help, they probably do, you know? So my, the most real scene in this movie, and we mentioned like this being like an excellent um, metaphor or an excellent commentary on grief and the grief process, but it's when she's meeting with the parent and the parents like wanting something done right away. Mm -hmm. I felt like that part was one of the most real fucking scenes I've seen in the movie in like years. Because, like, in that moment, she's just like, she was like, my husband blew his brains out. Like, you know, and it was yeah. so real mm-hmm. and so frank. And, like, do you realize how meaningless it is? Like, what you're talking to me about and wanting it done right now when I'm, yeah, going you want this. your, you, you don't want your son to have a C instead of a B because I wasn't here for him to retake his test. Mm hmm. Like, really? That was so fucking, like, real. Rebecca Hall is fucking amazing in the movie. Um, Let's give, like, I know we mentioned a couple, but give me, like, one more of your scary... What what scared Kate in this movie? I definitely love the scene that you already mentioned where the... It's one of the first kind of nightmares she's having where the women run and they've got, like, some of them are bottom... Like, they're not wearing bottoms, some... And they run off this cliff past her one that just like opened a huge can of worms and questions for you in that moment like anyone watching it's going to see it and think that and um so i love i appreciated that and i was genuinely like what the fuck and then i was thinking that's what got me thinking oh maybe he killed these women 
and yeah. it's like their spirits or come something and there was something going on there and then of course that kind of was it but kind of not and i just loved how that introduced that those put those thoughts in your head um what are you and say? i love that because like it reminded me a little bit of like what lies beneath because i was like oh he was a killer and these are his victims but then you're just like, when you really find out about it, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, all this other stuff is going on. Yeah. What he was doing was from love. Uh-huh. Like, his love kept her alive for as long as she was. Like, mm-hmm. kept her away from that spirit. So, um, so I guess that one. And then I really, really love the scene where she's starting to think maybe there is an afterlife. You know, like, she thinks that this is Owen's this is Owen's spirit coming to her a lot of the time. Uh, and so he's in her house or so she thinks, and he's standing there in front of her and she reaches out and she starts to like the dark, the, the spirit, the ghost, whatever, like hugs her and embraces her and is, and she's just like kind of falling into him. Even though you can't see him, but they, you see like something sliding up her arm it like moves her skin um but you don't see what it is that kind of i just thought that effect was really good and she's like she says owen i think she says his name and he's like i'm not owen or something like i forget what exactly what the words were but like i think she says is it you is it really you owen and it's like no and then it like pushes her back and this really forcefully and they did everything gets shit. everything gets really chaotic after that and it's really good they did weird shit with his voice like through the radio and stuff like that like that part like yeah you just mentioned where he's just like i'm not owen or like mm-hmm. i can't remember how he says it but it's like, it's like so fucking creepy like, no yeah i can't even make my voice go as low and it's like very booming low but quiet it's strange mm-hmm. but yeah really good yeah and it's like coming through the radio and like coming through statically and like saying like don't be afraid and like all this other shit oh she finds like um footprints that have been like out into the into the lake like on her dock and like leading up into her house right oh mm-hmm. man this movie's like this movie's so good man we're gonna have to pick this for somebody yeah um kate do you want to close this out with your well we already gave our rating yeah i stand by it after talking like i haven't talked about this with anyone other than my husband <laughs> mm-hmm. and i stand by like a five out of five um i absolutely will watch this again yeah this is a five out of five for me too like i fucking love this movie and i was totally thrown off guard by how good it was uh this is in contention this is probably the favorite for horror movie of the year so far we got yeah. a bunch of big ones coming up but yeah, this is gonna be tough to beat she stared into the void and the void stared back <laughs> Yeah, just imagine going through all that and having something fucking with you. That's terrifying. I know. Thinking it's the ghost of your loved one and you can actually like oh. speak to them and feel them again. And then it's something that just wants your soul. Fucked up. Yeah, really, really fucked up. Um, the Night House is a masterpiece. I don't know about masterpiece, but it's really, really great. I'd have to, see, I'd have to see the masterpiece several times to, in order to call it a masterpiece. Yeah, we'll see how it stands the test of time, but I think it's one that will. So that will close out our. We probably went for like forty minutes on this. Break. Yeah. <laughs> that will close out our review uh, for the Night House. Make sure you go to see this in theaters because this movie benefits a lot from the theater with the sound design and stuff like that. So, so cool. These guys knocked it out of the park, but that will be all for horrifying my friends. Enjoy the bonus episode.
Yep, we'll see you on Monday. Fine, my friends.